to welcome you to our services this morning. If you're visiting with us, you are honored guests. Last week, as uh, I was listening to our brother Charles share from his heart just those things that he has seen, and, and Charles is one of the elders here from the years gone by. I don't know. It shows that it's on the Is it not on? Is it on, Dennis? Okay. Um, he was mentioning how there have been a number of things that has been going well that he has seen over the years um, as a member of this congregation and as a leader of this congregation. But one of the things that he wanted to stress was we need to always be circumspect. We need to realize that when things are going well that Satan can come in and sneak in, if you will, and, and disrupt, in fact destroy the good work of the kingdom of our Lord. And so I really appreciated his words. You know, we need, we need those warnings. We need those exhortations that take place from time to time. And it's good to have one of the men that has been a uh, well, part of the Franklin work for decades um, to make those kinds of announcements from time to time. That said, right now, this morning, we are in the midst of um, concluding the study in Exodus. So if you're in the auditorium class, you know what's going on, but uh, you may not be aware of, of what's going on from a standpoint if you're back in room 12, um, where Phil and Steve are, are teaching 2 Corinthians right now. And what we've been looking at is to see Jesus Christ, to see the gospel, to see the new covenant, and all the things that in the Old Testament are pointing forward to the new, to Jesus himself. And it's been very enriching. For me personally, and I hope that it has been for those in the auditorium class, but some things that are, um, we're engaged in right now is looking at the tabernacle and what have you, looking forward to the true image of our worship of God, of our service to God. And that's what we're doing. And what was interesting to me, in light of what Mr. Charles was saying last week and, and the, the Bible class that we're engaged in, is a concept that is right in scripture that I think sometimes we overlook. And that is the whole concept of, be, concept of being made worthy. For instance, when you talk about the, the ordination of Aaron and his sons as being priests to serve. There's no difference between Aaron and his sons and the rest of the nation of Israel. They're no better. They weren't like more spiritually minded, so therefore... Here's your priests. God made them worthy to serve as priests. And that's a huge, huge theological doctrine, if you will, in Scripture. In fact, that's one of the things that Steve was talking about in our prayer. Um, some of the things even, I believe, Steve was mentioning when dealing with the Lord's Supper talk. That we can have the forgiveness of our sins. That allows us to come before the Lord at his table and partake and commune with him because of the blood of Jesus. And so this very concept is what we're looking at this morning, and it's going to be a springboard for the following lessons over the next three, four weeks. That said then, if we're talking about being able to share the gospel, which, by the way, I was so glad when Ben made the announcement this morning. Do you guys even realize how amazing an opportunity is if you would like to go and one of those opportunities is, but I don't have the finances. He said, we can make it work. 
<laughs> what congregation has that kind of um, invitation if you want to go share the gospel somewhere and that is something that you don't have a means for and, and brethren are saying, we'll take care of it. Amen. Wow. Man. I know a lot of gospel preachers, and I'm glad this is just for anyone, not just for gospel preachers, but a lot of gospel preachers would be salivating at those very words. So just, oh, I was just so overwhelmed by what Ben was saying this morning. So praise God for that. I'm so grateful that we have generous brethren that will make that happen. But if we're talking about sharing the good news, one of the things that we have got to understand if we're looking at this concept of being made worthy is that there's ugly news then. That's necessarily implied in scripture when there's good news. I mean, if things are hunky-dory and then someone comes and brings good news, it's not really all that good. You think about it. And in fact, it is my personal observation that sometimes, maybe within the body of Christ, the good news doesn't look so good when you're, quote-unquote, raising your children and they're like, well, they don't have to change. They're already good. By the way, I have a lot to say about that. But <laughs> and I'm not talking about my own children. I'm talking about... It, everyone, it's amazing how we, we, we say, well, there's not much you have to change. All I have to do is just get baptized. Or my neighbor, my neighbor would make such a great Christian because they're already good. Then the good news is all that good. We don't understand the reality of man's condition if that's the case. We get told in Scripture, like Romans chapter 3, particularly verses 9 and 10, there is not a single righteous person not one and so as sweet as our children may be they're sinners and it separates them from God and beyond just stating that they're sinners there's got to be this concept uh, understanding that there's going to be growth because they are sinners and we are all in that same boat as sinners and so we've got to understand that before there is anything of truly good news we've got Bad news, ugly news. And in fact, I don't mean this to sound uh, insensitive, and I mean this biblically speaking. The worse off you understand your condition without God, without Christ, the better the good news is. And it's what makes it so significant when someone is buried with Christ in baptism and is able to grow in the Lord and realize, man, I was just as scripture would say, a reprobate. Like my rags were filthy rags. I was, I was a true sinner. The apostle Paul, who could have boasted in the flesh about his morality as a Jew, was saying that he was a chief of sinners. He understood his position without Christ. And he understood how wretched he was without Christ. That's why whether he, and the debate in Romans 7 is, is he speaking of himself? Is he speaking of the Jews? Is he speaking of something else? There's the debate. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I can understand and relate to what he is saying. And I believe many others do that. If you are here and you just don't relate to that, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? Oh, but thanks be to God, Christ Jesus. You know, through him, we're going to be saved. And through him, we can walk in fellowship with God. Then it means something. And so this good news is only good because we've got to understand our ugly state. So without God, 
we are in fact worthless. That's just the bottom line. We weren't made this way. I mean, we're told right in James, I mean, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, God made us in his image. And when he looked upon all of his creation, including his crowning glorious creation that is man, in, made in his image, he said it is very good. So we weren't made worthless. When children come into this world, they're not worthless. So please understand what I'm saying. We are worthless because our sins separate us from God. And when I say we are worthless, what I mean by that is, in light of eternity, there's no value to our lives as sinners. Now, on the previous slide, I had Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and 2. And here's the reason why everything is worthless. He begins this book, what we call Ecclesiastes, as all is vanity. Everything is vanity. Whether you um, talk about finances, you know, like the rich man versus the poor in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he said, so what? You can't take it with you. It's all vain. The poor person and the rich person, they both leave the same way as they came in with nothing. So it's vanity. Whether you have good days or bad days here on earth, it's just vanity because then it all comes to an end. The only thing that makes it good is being in fellowship with God. And that's why he talks about in, later on in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 that you can take your joy knowing that is in view of your God. So you can eat, drink, and be merry because you're doing it in honor and service in your walk with the Lord. Then everything has purpose. It has meaning. So when I'm talking about the fact that without God, all is vanity, what I mean by that is there is no profit to you from an eternal standpoint. You can have all that this life has to offer, like your bucket list, right? And you check off every single thing in your bucket list and you're like, man, fulfilled life until you face God in judgment. And you look back and you're saying, that was just profitless. It didn't mean anything. All that, what I thought was so valuable and precious to me, right now as I stand before my God, it holds no weight. It has no glory. And as a result then, we see it's vanity. And as a result then, everything about your life without Christ is vanity. And so when we look at the resurrection, and we were talking about that a few weeks ago, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, if the dead do not rise, and if Christ is not risen then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So without Christ, we'd have a vain faith. Without Christ, our lives, the deeds of the flesh, have no profit, have no value. So keep that in mind. It's only through Christ that we're made worthy. And so while we are worthless without God or without Christ... While we are worthless, we are made worthy. You see, just like God had made uh, Aaron and his sons worthy, how he had made the Israelites worthy to be a people drawing near to him, he made them that way, so he does with us. In fact, look at um, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to go on from verse 4 through 7, just so you get the gist of what's being said. In Ephesians 4... Excuse me, Ephesians 2, verse 1. 
and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Okay, so you're, you're dead in your sins. You have no value. You have no worth because you're dead in the trespass of your sins. He made you alive while you were dead in which you once walked as a dead person in your trespasses. You walked according to the course of this world. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So he's saying, you're dead, and that dead was equal to living according to the course of this world. While dead, he makes you alive. It's only when you're alive that you can bear fruit that you can do meaningful things, right? And that's the picture that he's giving. And so he says, it is by grace you've been saved and raised us up together. So you were dead, but he raised you up with Christ, made you to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us again in Christ Jesus. So here's the picture. You're dead, you're worthless, he makes you alive. He's made you worthy. When we look at this concept further on in, in this progressive series, as I'm calling it, we'll look at this concept of, and we even, I even touched about it in our Bible class this morning, where we can be vessels then for God, useful in the kingdom. And either you're going to be a vessel of honor in the kingdom or one of dishonor in the kingdom. And it is by faith that you are meant to be vessels of honor. And so he makes you this way. Initially, we're made in the image of God, but because of sin, we're worthless. We, we saw that. And by the grace of God, he saw fit to make us alive, to be heirs with his son. So that's the picture of us being made worthy. And there's many, many Bible passages that we could be looking at that shows this to be the case. It is because of this fact that we can read this passage in 2 Corinthians. And I want you to take some time and digest this for a while. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, many other passages we could look at, just this one right now. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Ted brought this out even in, in his prayer. But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Think about it. We are made to be servants of the new covenant, ministers of the new covenant. Just as Aaron and his priests were made sufficient so they could do the work of the tabernacle, we have a new covenant where we have work going on, service going on in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, you can't understand that physically. You have to understand that by faith. Our tabernacle is the true one which is in heaven, and our service is a heavenly service. And just as the, the Jews were made to be sufficient as priests in an earthly tabernacle, so are we as a royal priesthood and priests in the kingdom of our God who are able to be made sufficient in this heavenly sanctuary as we live right now. That's the picture of what is given in the book of Hebrews that is similarly of what the apostle is speaking of when he makes this point in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
He made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And when the spirit gives life, we become profitable. We become useful. That's the point of what the Apostle Paul is saying. So the whole concept of this being made worthy is not just so that we understand who we are. That is a very important message all by itself, by the way. Because I've come to know a number of Christians who are saying, I don't feel worthy. Some have said that because they believe their sins. How could God ever forgive me of my sins? I asked the men um, in the jail, one of whom is um, charged with murder. Do you think God can make a person who is a serial killer worthy of him? Their answer is yes, and they were right. I don't think there's a serial killer in this room that anyone knows of. I like to think that there aren't any. But praise be to God if you're here and you've been a serial killer and hearing the gospel message. Because God can make you worthy. And for anyone in this room, let alone in the world, that could think that God could never ever forgive a serial killer, shame on you. You don't know the power of God. The power of God is so great It can take someone that is completely worthless, heinous and wicked, and make him or her worthy. That's why the good news is good news. God makes you what you could never make yourself. And that's why it's a gift from him. It's his grace. So we're made worthy for this whole purpose. In Ephesians chapter 2... I'm going to read Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. We were reading verses um, 1 through 7, or at least 1, 4 through 7. But I want you to read 8 through 10. It's a more popular passage. But this is the picture given here, and then I'll read Hebrews 9. Again, this is where, kind of where we're at right now in our class, and we'll get into this Hebrews 9 on, on Wednesday. But Ephesians chapter 2, picking up in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, remember, he's the one making you worthy, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we can't walk in them without him because of our sins. We cannot serve our holy and righteous and sinless God as sinners. But when he makes us worthy, it is so that we can minister, so we can serve in this heavenly sanctuary. That's the picture that's given in Hebrews chapter 9. This is, from a different vantage point, what God is saying through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2. So read... um, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 and 14 with me. If the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, right? So here's a picture. You got a person who is guilty of sin. So he has a guilt offering, a sin offering, a burnt offering, one of those offerings. And that animal had been sacrificed, 
and you take the ashes of these goats, of the heifer, and you sprinkle it on the unclean, the unclean becomes clean. That's what the sacrifice. He then says, in contrast, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. So you got this comparison contrast going on here. And with this, you're made clean through the ashes of an animal that had been sacrificed, a perfect sacrifice as an animal. How much more then when Jesus himself who is the high priest, a sinless high priest, makes this offering. There is no comparison. It is through this eternal offering that we have our conscience cleansed from dead works, from worthless works, from all that is vanity to serve the living God. That's the picture. It is just a beautiful, beautiful picture. So in our, our Bible study this morning, I was telling them I was going to try and kind of hit multiple points in this one sermon. And the main point being that God made us worthy, so therefore we need to be able to walk worthy. And that's going to be the next point. But we go from worthless lives, even as meaningful as it may be, only from a temporal earthly vantage point, it is meaningless in light of eternity to now being able to have our conscience cleansed from dead works and we are now able to serve God I sometimes hear from your mouths and and sometimes maybe I've been guilty of doing the same thing we look at people going wow they're such amazing people because they're doing great things guess what you want to look at all stars in this world it's the people of God who've been made worthy to serve him the work that we do is greater than anything that you can see on TV from professional athletes or from amazing people in whatever field of industry. There's nothing greater than the work and the service and the lives that we live, nothing more meaningful. That's what we have because we're ministers of this new covenant. And for that, we are told to walk worthy, right? We are created in Christ Jesus as a workmanship of God, right? That's what we're told. So we are told all throughout the scriptures, and these are just a, a number of them, Ephesians 4.1, Philippians 1.27, Colossians 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, walk worthy then. If you've been made worthy, walk worthy. And what, it mean, what he means by walking worthy is put away the flesh. When you put away the flesh... Our worship is so beautiful. It's like a, a beautiful incense aroma wafting up to our God. It's like that sacrifice that had been a perfect sacrifice of that animal where the aroma from that animal that's being on that altar, right? That bronze altar that's being burned. Oh, smells good. You guys know what that smells like. You can smell meat. You know what meat smells like. For those who are not vegetarians, that is, or, or the vegans, you know that it smells so wonderful. How, how beautiful that aroma is for our God when we live lives that are walking worthy of his calling. That means our service 
is all beautiful. It smells great to our God. So here's the point then. If you're here and you're hearing this sermon and your life is not reflecting what you've been made to be, you've been made to be worthy so you can serve our holy God. We have fellowship with him now. He made you to have fellowship with him. It's his gift to you. If you spurn that exhortation, you trample underfoot the very purpose of Jesus going to the cross. And I get it. You may be weak and you may struggle in the flesh. That's not what I'm talking about. There's one, um, again, it was read for us um, by Steve in the Lord's Supper talk. We, we've read a passage in Hebrews chapter 9 as well. And Hebrews chapter 8, in fact, about requoting Jeremiah 31, that tells us our iniquities are forgiven. But that's a far cry from someone who actually turns his back against the one who cleansed you, who made you worthy. If you do, then your religion becomes worthless. In other words, because you're not walking worthy of the calling, then your faith in Christ is in vanity. You have a living faith and you've got dead faith. The living faith is one that is profitable. The dead faith is the one that is worthless. You've been made worthy, so walk worthy. If you spur or you forsake that calling, here's what happens. I want to read this to you in Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. The idea of being profitable, being fruitful, being mature. Go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. He goes on to say in verse 4, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again. Or excuse me, renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. If you've been made worthy... Walk worthy. Walk as one God has made to be pure and holy. Because that was his gift to you. Show that gift in your life. By the way you live before others. Practically, as we live as, as children of God in this world, because we are lights. And this world needs to see what holy and beloved believers of Jesus Christ look like. It's how we serve the Lord, how we minister to him. So that's the lesson for you. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to see how we abound in these works. So we're going to look at that as we go on through this, again, this progressive series. If you're here this morning and you realize, you know what? I am not worthy of the calling. I am lost in the trespass of my sins. I'm dead right now. I'm worthless. The invitation is for you right now because he can make you worthy 
That's why this invitation song is given. I want you to think about that because you walk away from this invitation, you're not guaranteed another breath. So why not become a child of God now? Why not die with him? Why not be raised with him? Because God will raise you and have your conscience pure and cleansed from those dead works. You can have that opportunity if you come to him right now. And if you need to return to the Lord, we'll be happy to pray for you right now. It's together we stand and sing.